0: Hello and welcome to the Unique CPA with your host Randy Crabtree. We're committed to creating a thriving community of accounting professionals who are physically and mentally healthy, fulfilled, and energized by their work. Our ultimate goal is to elevate the reputation of the accounting profession and vastly improve the lives of those in it. The Unique CPA is brought to you by Trimerit, the specialty tax professionals. Today, our guest is Zach Bond. He's a mindfulness consultant and practitioner, which I really want to learn more about, and I think we all will today. Zach, welcome to the Unique CPA. Thanks for having me, Randy. Yeah, this was was pretty cool. You and I met, oh, it was September, I think, out in at the Greenbrier Resort in West Virginia, which was not a bad place to be. Not at all. No, we had a good time out there. It was for a conference, and it was a conference um, that I was I was uh, doing a presentation at in the morning that you sat in on, and I appreciate you doing that. But my presentation was on mental health awareness, which is you know is important all over. Um, I always talk about it from the standpoint of public accounting because we have a we have a profession that. Uh, tends to have both a perception and a reality, uh, depending on the situation of, you know, high stress, uh, high burnout, unfortunately, and just, you know, people going through the grind of I just need to meet this deadline, this deadline, this deadline, and not thinking, you know, getting outside of that box. And so so I was doing this presentation, afterwards you came up to me, which was, I appreciate it. And, and it talked about one of the solutions you think are out there, which was this mindfulness and meditation that, that you deal with. And so we talked and thought, you know what, this might be a really nice topic to, to add to the podcast, especially for our profession. So I guess, first off, if you could do this, this is a long question I'm leading in here, to <laughs> It was a commentary slash question. We're going commentary, now we're going to question. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm enjoying it funny. <laughs> right. So I guess the question part of it is, why don't you, I said you're a mindfulness consultant and practitioner. What the heck does that mean? <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, first I want to say that was such an amazing event that I met you at, Randy. And I don't, I don't know that you knew this, but I was actually born and raised, well, born in West Virginia, in Charleston, West oh. Virginia. Yeah, and it was my okay. time at the Greenbrier, um, and that was an incredible event. And, and your your presentation was very refreshing because you really spoke from the heart, and you really spoke from your experience. And so, I hope that I can also speak from from my experience. I think that's where a lot of the the life comes from from these podcasts and these episodes is really speaking from personal experience. Um, so kind of leading into to your question about what is a mindfulness consultant, you know, practitioner, mindfulness and meditation is a really hot topic right now in all industries. I've worked in sales since I was 16 years old. So my dad um, is an entrepreneur and a salesperson in the pharmaceutical industry. And my uncle is actually a tax partner at Deloitte. And so growing up, I would always ask him about his job. Um, He was also a musician, so he worked a ton of hours, but also always made time for playing the guitar with us. So he was a real incredible guy. Um, And when it comes to mindfulness and it being such a popular topic in a lot of different industries, you can really personalize it based on what your needs are, your personal needs, your career needs. Um, So for me personally, mindfulness, how I got involved in mindfulness in the beginning was actually while I was a student athlete at Brigham Young University. Um, I'm originally from North Carolina. I got recruited to play lacrosse at BYU out in Utah back in 20, end of 2013, beginning of 2014. Okay. And what I realized was how hard you had to work in order to have good grades and to be a student athlete. And I wasn't quite ready for that. In high school, uh, let's just say I was primarily an athlete. Mm -hmm. Um, And so coming to college, everything was more competitive. Sports was more competitive. Um, Academics were very, very competitive. And so I realized that I needed to make some changes. Um, we had to wake up at 4 a.m. every day to start practice at 5 a.m. in Utah, which I know you've been to Utah in the winter time. Yeah. and uh, let's yeah. just say, let's just say, I didn't have uh, the most high-tech car, so I was out there scraping the windshield every morning at 4:30. Wow. Um, so that's that's really where the mindfulness uh, practice started for me was being under an intense amount of stress and having a lot of activities mm-hmm. um and responsibilities um that i was supposed to take care of and so this is kind of a long-winded answer um and you can cut in at you're any, good you know going to practice three hours a day coming home my roommates were starting to wake up at this point like eight or nine a.m so i Ha- seeing people around me that were having a different college experience that I was having, that also kind of yep. kind of bugged me a little bit. Um, and so I did that for a few years and I started to listen to this podcast actually, um, Tim Ferriss. Are you familiar with Tim Ferriss? I'm not. He has a podcast called The Tim Ferriss Show and he interviews high level entrepreneurs, athletes. It's, it's a really well-known podcast on Apple Podcasts. Um, And he also wrote a book called Tools of Titans. And this is a book where he compiled all of the interviews that he had into a short, like one or two pages each for each person. And it's called Tools of Titans. And I was always obsessed and interested in what made high level athletes and entrepreneurs so successful. Like what are the common threads? And so I, I bought this book, I soaked it in. This was back in 2014, so eight or nine years ago at this point. I read the entire book in like a few weeks. It was one of those books that I just couldn't put down. Mm. And one thing that I recognized and realized of all of these high performers was that they had some type of mindfulness or meditation practice. And sometimes it was really simple. And for other people, it was like an hour to two hours a day. Wow. Right. So there were a lot of different ways and practices. And I'm excited to talk a little bit more about what those are today. Yep. Um, but the one that I started with was 21 minutes a day of seated, silent meditation. And so for me, it was very simple Um, There was no uh, complication to it at all. It was sitting in silence for 21 minutes each day. So the most important thing was the consistency. So either you sat for five minutes a day or you, when I say sit or sat, I'm talking about sitting in meditation, right? Either you did it five minutes a day consistently, or you did it 10 minutes a day consistently or 21 minutes. The most important thing whenever I was getting started was the consistency with it.
0: Yeah. Was it tough to get 21 minutes in at the beginning? <laughs> <laughs> you know, it really was. Um, I think what a lot of people
1: realize when they start practicing mindfulness or meditation is how busy our mind is. Oh, yeah. You don't realize it until you sit down with yourself and you're like, Wow, like I did not realize how busy my mind is, especially for CPAs, salespeople, anybody that's in a High performer type of role with a lot of responsibilities. Um, you, it's almost like you you know in the back of your mind that okay, there's a lot going on here. I just don't want to deal with it right now.
0: <laughs> yeah, oh yeah. And
1: that's that's what my meditation forces you to do. It forces you to sit with yourself for a certain period of time and really start to give attention to those things that you haven't been giving attention to.
0: Right, and I could say anybody listening, I'm sure can just tell. When you're trying to go to sleep and there's a thousand things running through your mind, that's the way it is. You wake up at three in the morning because you've got all these things on your mind. That's the way it is. And and this, this is unfortunately an aspect to our profession uh, that is probably a lot more rampant uh, than people want to admit. It's like, yeah, that's just my work. It's what I do. But man, they just, they just work, 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 think, 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 and don't give themselves time to refresh. And I'm guessing this meditation is, uh, and mindfulness is about refreshing as much as anything else. Am I on base? That's a great
1: word that I've never actually heard it uh, spoken to like that, Randy. So yeah. that's that's actually a really good way to put it. Refreshing because yeah. that's that's really how you feel. Um, you, you start to drop into a deeper uh, a deeper state of thinking and uh, of attention, and that depth allows you to. In Zen, they call it take the backward step. So you you take the backward step from your mind a little bit, your thinking mind, that's always on autopilot, always going, going, going. Um, and this allows you to get a little bit deeper. And it does feel incredibly refreshing after you do even just a few minutes of it.
0: All right. So I, I really looking forward to digging deeper into this mindfulness. And and when I say the word, I kind of have my own impression of what that means. But how do you define Mindfulness.
1: Yeah. Like I said earlier, there's a lot of different definitions and there's a lot of people talking about mindfulness right now. There's one definition that I heard recently that really hits the mark for me. And so my definition of mindfulness right now is paying attention to how you pay attention.
0: Paying attention to how. So sitting
1: down, paying attention to how you pay attention. And so that, that sort of takes away any type of like striving to do anything in that moment. It's just simply paying attention to how you've been paying attention in your life. So that's, mm-hmm. that's my definition of it.
0: All right. I'm trying not to meditate right now. Cause you're getting me going. So I need, <laughs> we need, we need to, we'll finish this up first. <laughs> uh, I honestly, as a side note uh, um, yesterday, so my wife and I are currently in Sedona, Arizona. We, we head out of uh, Chicago for the winter. And so we go to nice places to hike or, Hike mainly, but also there seems to be wine a lot of places we go, but that's not the point of the story. The point of the story is (laughs) um, last night, there's this really cool chapel on the rock or in the rock, I think they call it in Sedona, um, which we've seen but never gone to. And Monday nights, they have a prayer service, which part of the prayer service is just quiet you know for five minutes of sitting and like what you're saying five minutes of sitting and just you know paying attention to be attention now I was there specifically I found out a friend has cancer last week it hit me hard and I, I figure I'm gonna go and you know do everything I can and prayer service seemed like a good opportunity but yes I could I felt that five minutes of quiet one seemed long. <laughs> and that's why I asked you about <laughs> twenty twenty-one 21 minutes, <laughs> minutes seemed long, but two, it really was, it did feel, you know, like I said before, refreshing. I mean, it felt like I, I was able to just clear my mind and think about the one specific thing that I wanted to be thinking about at that point in time. Yeah, And so paying attention to how you pay attention. I think I kind of was yeah. doing that yesterday was the whole point.
1: Well, that's a beautiful story. And I think Sedona is a special place. I'm sure there's a lot of mindfulness practitioners over there in, oh, yeah. in, in Sedona. it's To me, what I've noticed about that part of the country is that it's very quiet. It's very still. Um, when you're in nature like that, it's very easy to naturally forget about some of the busier aspects of your life. And, and so I want to tie nature into this a little bit, yeah, just to yeah. say, I think why, um, it's so easy to drop into a deeper state and more, more mindfulness state is because there's less distractions. Um, it's quieter and it just allows you to be a little bit more mindful in those situations. So I, I appreciate you uh, giving that story.
0: Yeah, it was, it, it was funny you say that because last year my wife and I were here as well, and we did a hike to this old. It, it was called the Bir- birthing cave, and it's this cave you had to climb up to. And, and women, you know, originally from this area, the women would go up there to give birth. But it's just this really quiet place. And when we got up there into the cave, there was a woman in there meditating, wow. just because it was such a you know beautiful. Like you said, you know, the nature aspect of things and just so quiet. And I I felt guilty being there. And she was fine just because it was like I didn't want to interrupt her meditation. But so I I want to get deeper into this because I want to see how we can instill this into practice in our lives because we are in a, a stressful profession. But before we do that, you are certified with with. Aspects of this. Uh, this was, you know, obviously when you dug into this while you're in college, it became that important and that much of a passionate thing for you. How? What are the certifications, or how do you become an an expert? I guess at this uh, mindfulness. Well, that's funny because you know you're never
1: you're never an expert. You know, you're always <laughs> practicing. And that's right. That's the whole point of it. Um, but yes, when I first got started eight or nine years ago, I did want a platform. Uh, with which to share this with other people. And so the credentials do help um, in, in a more of like a teaching and consulting role, just to understand the basics and dive a little bit deeper into the minutia of mindfulness and meditation, because there is a lot of minutiae involved with it. So, John Cabot Zen, he is one of the fathers of the modern mindfulness movement. And so he started. The MBSR certification back in the seventies, um, at, uh, MIT. So oh, wow. MBSR stands for mindfulness-based stress reduction. And John Kabat-Zinn is well-known. He's a well-known author, but he wrote a book called wherever you go, there you are. <laughs> so that's a really well-known book. Um, yep, that, I think I've heard <laughs> and it's a very easy book. It's, it's very short, uh, very easy to read, but yeah. So mindfulness-based stress reduction. um, I got that certification, I think five or six years ago. And then I also got certified through a um, integral facilitation uh, program through one of my teachers, Diane Musho Hamilton. So integral is um, a theory developed by Ken Wilber and it's basically a human development theory um, that was created, I think, back in the 70s as well, 70s or 80s. Um, but it, it is basically a, I'm, I'm really going to water this down. And so, you know, the listeners will have to do their research on it to really get the get the gist of it. But integral facilitation is learning how to facilitate small and large group conversations based on human development so based on where people are in their specific path of developing. And so instead of having a generic way of presenting material to a large group or a small group, you really have to understand the dynamics of where people are at developmentally. And this integral theory or this integral facilitation certificate helps me teach mindfulness to anybody, not just people who are at a certain level, but really any level of development, I'm, I'm, I strive to help people where they're at instead of like putting them in a box and right. saying, here, take this, see if it works.
0: Yeah, and that, that's exactly what I was going to say. You know, not making everybody listen to the one way you want to do it, it's what's the best way for them and being able to integrate that. That's awesome. All yeah. right, so let's, let's dig more into then the implementation because in our profession – Um, You support the profession. Um, I support the profession, I guess, in the profession as well. But public accounting, it is a, I mean, we are constantly up against deadlines and there is this, and, and I always say perception, but reality too, of a high stress, high burnout profession. And so... Let's talk about this mindfulness and, and how we can implement it. And, and then in implementation, what's going to be the benefit for for us as, a, as CPAs, uh, I guess, in general, because we are the unique CPA show. We are not the, the unique everybody show, which we could be.
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. You know, I, I've thought a lot about this and, and I've worked with CPAs. Like I mentioned, my uncle uh, being a tax partner over at Deloitte. When I was a kid, I saw firsthand how many hours he worked. Uh And a lot of people looked at him, you know, they they saw all of the accolades, like he was getting promoted quickly and started to make really good money. Um, But I saw firsthand um, the amount of hours and passion that he put into what he did. And over the past three and a half years, I've been able to work with not just tax professionals, but um, audit professionals, EBP, really, all all ends of the spectrum in the accounting industry. And one thing that is a steady thread that I've noticed is that the work never ends. There's always something to do.
0: Uh-huh.
1: And I'll say that's very comparable to sales. I've been working in sales since I was sixteen years old. And so there's always there's always something to do in both of these industries. And so, That idea, I think, is what causes a lot of burnout in both accounting and in sales, is because we all want to be the best at what we do. We all want to be better. And so we are very, we have to look at our time. We have to audit our time very, very, very closely um, in this industry. And so the reason why at the beginning I brought up how important consistency is is because you don't need to practice meditation 30 minutes, 21 minutes, an hour a day in order to see the benefits. Like for instance, right now, whoever's listening to this episode, if you just took a second and took a deep breath. So Randy, are you open to doing that with me real quick? Taking yes. A deep breath? Yes. Right, let's take a deep breath. So in that moment of four or five seconds, like you notice the difference between how you felt before and how you feel now. I felt more relaxed, actually. (laughs) You're able to pay attention more to how you're paying attention and why this is important for tax professionals, for those in the accounting industry is because we are working with people a lot of the time and they can feel our level of attention. They can feel how present we are. And some of the most, some of the most um, effective accounting industry leaders are those that when you're with them, you can feel that they're listening to you. You can feel that they're present. You can feel that they understand your issues, your concerns, You can feel that they're being proactive in figuring out what you need, looking into the future and kind of beating you there and helping you with that before you even know that it's a need. Right. so this is one benefit of mindfulness is the ability for any professional to be fully present in what they do and to be clear instead of having the mental chatter going on, because in any moment, there's there's what's happening. There's us having this interview right now. There's us. We can see each other on the video. We can hear each other. We're here present. But then sometimes there's also this mental chatter going on. Maybe, oh, how long have we been doing this? What are we going to say next? So these, these past and future mental chatters come in. That's what adds to the stress right. of this moment. And that is not necessary. So mindfulness is all about finding what is absolutely necessary in this moment and taking care of it. Now, that can have a huge number of benefits for tax professionals, accounting industry professionals, stress reduction. It's it's been it's been proven. Like you can google benefits of meditation, stress reduction higher performance. This is why Tim Ferriss, the guy that I mentioned earlier, who wrote Mm -hmm. the four hour work week. This is why so many of those high performers are using meditation because it does greatly improve your ability to perform. And it's not all about performance, right? But that is one of the added benefits of mindfulness. So bringing it back to your question, something that a busy professional can do each day is they can take one deep breath every single day. One deep breath every single day is something that every person can do. There's literally no excuse not to do that every day. And you felt the the difference and the benefit Mm -hmm. when we just did that practice. And so I think starting really small like that, Randy, and saying, all right, I'm going to commit for the next, um, three weeks or the next month, every single day, I'm going to take one deep breath. And I think if people commit to that, what happens is they see a small benefit and then that starts to grow and compound. And they're like, you know what, I'm going to actually try five minutes a day. Like I have five minutes. Right. And there's that Tony, there's that Tony Robbins quote that says, if you don't have 10 minutes, you don't have a life. (laughs) And so you're like, Oh, well I have 10 minutes you know, and then, Oh, I have 21 minutes. So as you start to see the benefits of meditation, that's when you start to make it more of a priority in your life. So I don't ever ask people to, to do what I do, which is like 30 minutes to an hour a day. I don't ask people to do that in the beginning, yeah. <laughs> but I think naturally people start to do that. In my experience, they, they start to get addicted. To the feeling, to the success, to the the groundedness that they feel, they start to really get, I say addicted, but they just start to see the benefits of it and want to practice it more.
0: Yeah, I think that's important. Anything we can do to, to reduce stress in our lives uh, is going to be extremely important so if if somebody wanted to start and you just gave us a a game plan there, do the one breath a day, do the five minutes, do the ten minutes, do you have tools or anything that you refer people to that say, "Hey, if you want to jump into this here's here's a good you know something to look at, here's a book to read, here's a whatever."
1: Yeah, there are a few there are a few different apps out there. I'm not a big app fan, but a lot of people are. So you know, I, I feel like I just have to say that there are apps out there. Um, there's one called Insight Timer. Insight Timer is one. Calm is another one. C A L M. That's I think that's the one LeBron James owns and and, and pushes. Um, so there's a few different apps out there. I would I would recommend if the apps are your thing. I am more of a uh, book and audiobook person. Um, so one audiobook book um, called the power of now by Eckhart Tolle. Um, he's really well known in the mindfulness kind of industry. Um, he was my first, I guess, introduction into mindfulness. So that's the way that I like to learn is by is by reading about it, listening from other people's experiences and then trying it on my own. Um, so I would recommend those apps, um, the power of now and then anything by Dr. Joe Dispenza. Um, that one is a little bit more advanced, I would say. So start very simple. Start with the five minutes of seated, silent meditation a day. The basics are making sure that your back is straight when you're sitting, because if you're slouching, your mind tends to be more active when you're slouched and more negative because your mind follows your body. So if your body's slouched and moving forward, then You get in this weird like negative zone. So if your back is straight, you have a more confident posture, you sit for five minutes a day, you do that for a month. That's going to do wonders for you, especially if you've never done it before. So those individuals would be who I would recommend checking out. But to be honest, if you did a simple Google search of meditation, mindfulness practitioners and information, there's a lot of information out there and, and it all points to the same thing. So that's that's what I would recommend.
0: Yeah, so I had chatter going on in my mind, so I was searching the internet as you were talking on the <laughs> mindfulness apps, just to see, uh, <laughs> to see what was out. I figure I got to get ready for the next question, so my, I have to have this chatter in my mind when we're talking right now. That's all right. That's all right. <laughs> um, but there is a lot out there for sure, uh, and the one I thing I was thinking is just your, you know, if you've got your uh, Apple Watch. If anybody has that, I mean, it'll pop up with, uh, all right, let's take a minute of deep breathing, which, you know, I try to do that when it pops up. But honestly, when you and I just did that one breath, I felt more out of that than following my Apple Watch, probably because I'm paying attention to the watch rather than just being in the moment.
1: Well, the issue with the watch is you got messages popping up on it and then teams messages and texts and calls. I had to stop wearing mine, Randy. I know that a lot of people (laughs) like those and and they are good for production. Don't get me wrong. But yeah, right. Yeah, it can be distracting at times for sure. Well,
0: I turned off most of my notifications on the watch. So most of it doesn't pop up on the watch other than I think phone calls uh, I, I let come through and maybe even text. I'm not sure. But but just other yeah. app stuff. No, I, I turned all that off. Uh, and
1: you had asked about resources. I'm just going to give a shameless plug for my mindfulness consulting yep. business that I do with, with busy business professionals. Um, I've done a few facilitations at larger tech companies and wanting to get more into um, the accounting industry as well. And so it really does help to have someone that has been studying it for a while and has sifted through all of the all of the information out there because there is a ton of information on it. But also knowing how you can word it to other people in at your firm, because it's all about how you package this information and what language do you use in expressing it. It's very important um, in terms of does is this gonna is this gonna take off? Are people gonna adopt it? That type of thing. The language you use, um, the context that you use, is extremely important. So. If you are looking to implement this either personally or professionally, I think it does help to have someone that works in the industry that has done the research on it and has sifted through all a lot of the information um, and that can kind of help guide you along the way.
0: All right. And so what is where can they get information on you then uh, to look up uh, your services with this?
1: Yeah. So I'm I'm on all the social media platforms, especially LinkedIn. I'm pretty heavy on LinkedIn. Um, and then my website is just my first name, last name dot com. So Zach Bond dot um, com. They can find my, my email there. They can find a little bit of information, a few articles that I have. I'm going to be revamping that um, quite a bit over the next few weeks. But that's a good generic location where people can find me.
0: All right. Well, I think that's a good spot to wrap up. I think the the information is great. I am going to start to implement uh, this. I, I promise that I will, uh, in fact, maybe even give some updates on, on future podcasts of uh, of how it's going and what I've done. I think this is important. Uh, as you know, I'm very, uh, I'm very big into, you know, figuring out ways that we can be better mentally um, as a profession Um And that's my whole mental health awareness presentation I do. And man, it's, it's even since you saw it, it's dialed in so good right now. I'm really happy with where it is right now, but, but I'm going to, the one thing I mentioned to you that I haven't done yet is build in some of this mindfulness into it as solutions. And, and now you've given me information that's going to allow me to do that. So I appreciate that. Of course. Before we completely wrap up, a question that everybody gets at the end of the podcast is, you know, Hey, we talked about the things you like to do with the mindfulness and everything, but let's talk about what your passions are outside of, uh, of work and outside of dealing with mindfulness. What are the things you enjoy? What's the fun things, passionate things you do?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I am very, very passionate about holistic health. Yep. So not just mindfulness, but, um, How lifestyle, how I live my life. Um, I just moved to Southern California. I just moved to a place outside of Carlsbad called Vista, California. It's a three acre uh, vineyard. And so I get the opportunity to work outside uh, with my hands in the dirt. We're building this vineyard. They just moved in in June of this year. So there's a lot of groundwork to be done. Um, so I, I enjoy you know gardening, we're growing our own food, um, preparing the land for the vineyard. So anything holistic health, I think there's a lot of changes going on in the world right now, and uh, one thing that I like to be in control of is what I put in my body, you know, and so that's something that I really enjoy researching, you know, getting my hands dirty in and reading about so, that's a big one. Also reading, I'm quite the bookworm. And so any type of subject that catches my interest, I tend to read you know 20 books at a time on it and hopefully retain 1% of that information. <laughs> um, so those those are big, big parts of, of who I am.
0: All right. So I'm going to be in, yeah, this is nowhere near where you are. I'm going to be in the Central Coast in about a week and a half, but that's still far from Vista, California. So I got it. You got give me
1: Robles. That, yeah.
0: yeah. So and I always say Paso Robles. I looked it up the other day because I think they actually say Paso Robles is how they say it. I think that's the official way to oh, say sorry. it. And I've always said pasa right? Robles. Yeah, yeah. Because I had heard a few people say that. But yeah, we're, Templeton's technically where we're staying, which is just south of Paso Robles, um, north of uh, San Luis Obispo. Um, but yeah, we're going to spend about a month out there. And uh, there's plenty of wine out there, too. So we might have to
1: there sample
0: is, a yeah. few. Tell me, before we wrap up, tell me a little bit more of this vineyard winery thing. How are you involved with this? It is. It sounds interesting.
1: Yeah, yeah. So, you know, it's kind of a whirlwind how this all happened. I actually was living in Huntington Beach not too long ago. My mom grew up in Huntington Beach, and my grandmother lives in an assisted living center in Aliso Viejo, which is just right next door. Um, I'm also a, a big yoga practitioner, and there's there's a well-known um, yoga teacher down here in San Diego. Her name is Tina, and she owns a yoga studio called Community Yoga, T-E-A, Community T Yoga, And she is a yoga teacher and she just purchased this land back in June of this year. And, um, I, I don't know how I found it originally, um, through a friend of a friend. Um, there is, she has a few, um, homes on the property and my friend was moving out of this home and moving in and purchasing her own home nearby. So, um, she asked me if I wanted to check it out and it just, everything kind of fell into place. Like I, been practicing yoga for a long time as well and uh, really connected well with tina and uh, with with her mission and her vision of of what's possible and uh, turns out they they have a vineyard on the property that they want to start cultivating and i think at the end of 2020 at the either in the spring or summer of 2024 is when the fruits are going to start uh, wow. bearing and so there's a lot of work to be done yeah it's at the very beginning stages here wow. Um, but we, we laid down mulch yesterday and I, I had a moment yesterday of, you know, being out in the sun, laying the mulch down with a bunch of my friends and some of Tina's family members and just really feeling grateful for life in that moment. Nice. Like really feeling like I was in like my happy place in that moment, you know, like all these things coming together um, was just a really beautiful moment. Nice. So, so that's how I found on this land.
0: All right. Well, that sounds awesome. And then one last thing I got to ask you because it came up at the beginning, but, and you just mentioned you like into yoga and everything. How about the athletic part of things, the lacrosse and anything, are you still playing any uh, <laughs> athletic sports?
1: You know, man, I actually went to the Anaheim ducks and Boston Bruins hockey game a few nights ago. And seeing those seeing those young players compete at a high level it really awakens something in me because i i was that for so long i was a i was a highly competitive athlete and and i still have that in me and i would say that in my career i've sort of turned that on in my career in a lot of ways and and not necessarily competing with other people but competing with myself yeah. and really looking at myself in the mirror each day. And like, come on, is that all you got type of a thing? Like really, really competing with myself. But from an athletic perspective, um, I have considered because lacrosse is actually pretty big here in San Diego. There's a lot of really good lacrosse teams here. There's a professional team that my friend is connected with. And so I'm not, I'm not saying I'm going to go try out for the professional team, who knows, yeah. but, um, I do, I am looking at maybe giving back, you know, and going to one of the high schools and I was a face-off MIDI. So I was a face-off specialist. So the beginning of a lacrosse game starts with the ball on the ground and you have two people facing off to win the possession of it. Right. So that, that was my, my specialty. And so I've thought about that, but honestly, there's this, there's this feeling you get when, even when you're coaching, it just doesn't quench it doesn't quench the thirst quite like competing at a high level does. Oh, yeah. So it's this weird, it's this weird feeling, Randy, that I kind of resist because I want to be in there so badly. I want to be in the game. Yep. You know, and so it, it, it's kind of a, a sad, nostalgic feeling, to be honest.
0: I know what you mean. Well, you're much younger than me, but I, basketball was my thing and played forever and uh, ended up coaching after I stopped playing, although I did play into my 50s. Um, Um, And then I had to get my knee replaced, but, uh, um, but coaching did, uh, like you said, we are going on tangents now and (laughs) whether we keep this in or not, we'll see. (laughs) I'm enjoying it. So, so, uh, 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 um, but, but. You know, that competitiveness is just, to me, that was almost mindfulness, being out on the basketball court. It was just, you know, I, I could, you know, release everything else and just be in that moment of that pass or that shot or that rebound or that whatever. And I think that was such a nice, relaxing thing for me that I don't have coaching didn't do the same thing but i the competitive part it did i was super competitive coaching although went through my whole coaching career without a technical foul so that was i'm very proud of that <laughs> that's i probably coached 500 games uh and uh, probably won at least 350 of them so i think we did nice. a pretty that's good awesome. job with that too uh, um, all right enough of my bragging but but um <laughs> I would I would definitely go out and, and, and get involved with that lacrosse if you could. Okay. It's just you'll you'll miss it when you're my age if you don't the and, yeah. and you don't want to look back and think, man, I could have played longer and I didn't. Right. But that's that's my advice to you. So I appreciate
1: that, Randy. Thank you so much. I'll do that. Thank you.
0: All right, and then Zach, I just want to thank you for being part of this. This is awesome. I, like I said, I am gonna, I am gonna work on, on being better at this, and uh, um, hopefully pe- the listeners uh, will as well. I think it's very important, and I appreciate you sharing your knowledge.
1: Thanks for having me on, Randy, and I appreciate your level of listening. I feel like you re- when you ask the questions, you really sit back and listen to the responses, and and, and really go on them after after we uh, explain them.
0: Well, thank you. Thank you for joining us today on The Unique CPA. You can find the show notes for today's episode and learn more about Trimerit at theuniquecpa.com. Remember to subscribe and leave a five-star rating on your favorite podcasting app. And join us next time for more expertise and insights on The Unique CPA professionalproductions.net.